Hello, listeners and fellow explorers. This is Living in the Sprawl's lovely and talented producer-slash-wife, Lisa Steinberg. I wanted to thank all of you for your continuous support of the show. As a new podcast on the scene, John and I self-support the logistics and research that go into the show. The number one way to support the show is to rate, review, and share this podcast with everyone you know. Many of you have been doing this, and it has helped immensely. I also invite you to check out our website and the show notes for other ways to support the show. We are currently working with companies we currently use ourselves to get discount codes for our listeners and support the show in the process. These companies include Every Table, Just CBD Store, Gold Belly, Cats Botanicals, and so much more. By using the links on our website, you are letting them know we sent you and in turn supporting the show. You can also support us on Patreon and Podfan. Please check out the website at livinginthesprawlpodcast.com for updates on companies we are working with, our testimonies, links, codes, and new Living in the Sprawl merchandise. Again, thank you to all of you, our lovely listeners, for tuning in every week and allowing us to do what we love. Without further ado, your humble correspondent, John Steinberg. Hello. And welcome to another installment of Living in the Sprawl, Southern California's most adventurous podcast. I am, as always, your humble correspondent and host. My name is John Steinberg, and I am joined by my lovely and immensely talented producer slash wife. Her name is Lisa Steinberg. We find ourselves together again on yet another foray into the exciting, albeit a tad imposing examination of life in the Southern California sprawl. This is the place where we tell you how to approach this monstrosity of a region, how to connect with it, interesting things about it, and ways that you can connect with the terrain running from Paso Robles all the way down to San Diego's border with Mexico. Today, another peek behind the camera, another excursion into the world of filmmaking. Longtime listeners might remember that one of our first episodes covered 10 filming locations around the Southern California sprawl that had nothing to do with Los Angeles. Well, while not exclusively in that same vein, Today's program finds us on a return visit to the glorious world of movie magic, specifically filming locations. Today, we find ourselves in that most American of suburbs. That's right, Lisa's favorite city in the entire sprawl, Pasadena. A suburban paradise to many, a safe, comforting retreat for others, Pasadena is all things to all people. And for the purposes of today's episode, we're going to consolidate the cities of Pasadena and South Pasadena into one collective region. We're going to exclude Altadena because Altadena has an unusual, if fascinating, filming history of its own. So, why do so many movies film in Pasadena? Well... The easy answer is versatility. 
there are regions within Pasadena that resemble the expansive, wide open landscape that invoke memories of Norman Rockwell's interpretation of the Midwest. There are portions of the territory that can stand in for big cities. Pasadena is truly a location scout's dream personified. It's played host to hundreds, nay, thousands of productions over the years and decades. Pasadena's proximity to the entertainment industry has made it a prime spot for many of your favorite films. Oftentimes, the movies in question are meant to take place in other locales, different states, cities that otherwise have little to nothing in common with Pasadena. But again, the malleability of Pasadena make it a special place for the cinematically inclined. So, today, an examination of the 10 definitive movies shot in Pasadena, and a lot of them, you wouldn't even know that they were shot in this most American suburb. Let's begin. Number 10, Bruce Almighty. The 2003 box office juggernaut starring Jim Carrey, Jennifer Aniston, and a gentleman who in this film went by the name Stephen Carell was said to take place in Buffalo. Indeed, many of the film's establishing shots incorporate Niagara Falls, downtown Buffalo, and other important landmarks from that part of the state of New York. Indeed, Jim Carrey's titular Bruce, Bruce Nolan in the film, actually works as a reporter for Buffalo's local news station. However, when the camera fixates on Bruce's house, that domicile where he finds himself cozying up to Jennifer Aniston, what we actually see is a residence located in South Pasadena. This film was the third collaboration between Carrie and director Tom Shadyak, having previously worked together on Ace Ventura and a film I won't mention now because it may or may not come up on the episode a bit later. And Bruce Almighty grossing over $250 million at the box office and spawning a subsequent sequel starring the aforementioned Stephen Carell, though in Evan Almighty, he had reconsidered his stage name, now simply going by Steve. Standing in for Buffalo, South Pasadena, is the place that Bruce Almighty calls home. And number nine, 13 going on 30. From the year of our Lord, 2004, this Jennifer Garner vehicle is said to take place in both New Jersey as well as New York, principally Manhattan. Now we do get a number of establishing shots that inform us that Jenna Ring played by Garner, is a thriving magazine reporter working in Lower Manhattan for Poise Magazine. But when we see the younger Jenna, 
It's at a home on Spruce Street in South Pasadena. And when the movie crystallizes near the end with the main character and her love interest, played by Mark Ruffalo, finally making a go of it, they do so at Jenna's dream house, a pink sight to behold, which is also very far from New Jersey because it's actually located in South Pasadena. Additionally, scenes take place in the film on Meridian, a major street in South Pasadena that'll also come up in other places during this podcast. And the homey, contrasting depiction of life in the suburbs, again, said to be New Jersey, are most embodied by the neighborhood of South Pasadena, even though we're told it's New Jersey. Fun fact, one of the mean girls who torment the 13-year-old version of Jenna is actually played by a young, unknown actress by the name of Brie Larson, who you may have seen in Captain Marvel. 13 going on 30, a movie about a 13-year-old who magically transforms into a 30-year-old reporter for Manhattan-based Poise magazine would, of course, take place from a filming standpoint in South Pasadena. Magic, guys. Magic. And number eight, Space Jam. Surprising to many listeners, this 1996 sports classic starring Michael Jordan, yes, was largely filmed on sound stages at the Warner Brothers lot in Burbank. However, when we see the domestic MJ at home with his kids and his wife, they reside at a home in the Pasadena residential section. Filming locations for the film include scenes recorded not only on Warner Brothers sound stages, but also out in the field, as it were, at the form in Inglewood, Madison Square Garden, and a really picturesque-looking golf course. But when we see Michael Jordan, Colin, the family man, he and the rest of the Jordans call Pasadena home. Space Jam... A film about the greatest basketball player of all time who spent his career playing for the Chicago Bulls and then the Washington Wizards would, of course, be shot at a home in Pasadena. Again, the magic of the movies demonstrating its cinematic prowess. And number seven, 2003's Old School, starring Will Ferrell, Vince Vaughn, Luke Wilson... Ellen Pompeo, Leah Remini, and a virtual rogues gallery of excellent comedic character actors. From what we're told as an audience, we're led to believe that the events in the movie take place in upstate New York. But the fraternity house, which the principal characters in the movie establish, is actually located on Bushnell Avenue in South Pasadena. Now, Bushnell has been home to a multitude of important productions, which I won't mention now because they may or may not come up a little bit later. And while not exclusively filmed in Pasadena, 
The old school fraternity house is very much still there. People do reside in it. And it happens to be on the same exact street as a couple of other integral Hollywood productions. Other scenes in old school were shot around the greater Los Angeles area when Dean Pritchard is sitting in the stands courting student body president for nefarious purposes. It's actually the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. The scene where Vince Vaughn is smoking a cigarette while simultaneously trying to perform a gymnastic feat. That's the Rose Bowl Aquatic Center. There's a scene that utilizes this amazing fountain near UCLA. We get the Jance steps at UCLA. But alas, the fraternity house itself is on Bushnell in South Pasadena. Very, very far from upstate New York. And number six, another Jim Carrey vehicle. Liar, liar. This comedic box office smash reunited Jim Carrey with the previously discussed Tom Shadyak. For this one, we are meant to be in the greater Los Angeles area. Again, locations are never really disclosed, although they are hinted at. And the home where Carrie's estranged wife and son reside is located in Pasadena. Ironically, the house on Highland is actually adjacent to that same domicile previously discussed that we saw in Space Jam. That's right, the Jordans living in Pasadena happen to be neighbors with the Reeds and their kooky, eccentric, breadwinning lawyer. Liar, liar, another Pasadena standout. And number five, maybe the best movie on this list, it's 1985's Back to the Future, starring Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd. I referenced Bushnell earlier, as being the location of the fraternity house from old school. And it's also the place where a young George McFly was said to meet his future wife, Lorraine. That's right. The houses that we see in Back to the Future featuring a young George McFly and a young Lorraine were both on Bushnell Avenue. Other portions of the Southern California sprawl are depicted in the movie The Mall, where the DeLorean takes us back to 1955, is located in the City of Industry, the kind of depressing home in which the McFlies live circa 1985, is in the San Fernando Valley neighborhood of Arlita. The dance, Enchantment Under the Sea, is at a church in Hollywood, but all of the extremely old suburban-looking parts of the film are, without question, Pasadena. Because when traveling back in time, 30 years, going from 85 to 55, what better community to represent Dwight Eisenhower's America? Pasadena, definitely South Pasadena, in many ways, 
looks frozen in time. There are parts of the region that with just a little bit of work can absolutely stand in for the America of the 1950s. And this is the case with the incomparable Robert Zemeckis classic, 1985's Back to the Future. At number four, 1940's Charlie Chaplin, landmark satire, The Great Dictator. While the production utilizes a number of locations throughout the Southern California sprawl, we're going to focus on the exterior shots of the villain's mansion that are not actually a residence. Rather, they are the Pasadena City Hall. This is one of Lisa's favorite buildings in all of the Southern California sprawl. And not to provide spoilers for forthcoming episodes of the show, but we do want to do a television shows in Pasadena at some point far down the road. So I won't go into extreme detail about the television shows that utilize Pasadena City Hall. But in the case of this Charlie Chaplin vehicle, his comedically evil take on Germany's leader during the 30s and 40s lives at the Pasadena City Hall. A palatial building, the Pasadena City Hall, stands as a testament to the versatility of Pasadena when it comes to filming locations. You would think this hallowed satire, spoofing, fascism, Nazism, Mussolini, the German leader, and all of that would have absolutely nothing to do with Pasadena. And much of the film was shot in the Santa Monica Mountains at Chaplin's Hollywood studio on La Brea that was covered in a prior Living in the Sprawl podcast episode. But the exterior shots of the villain's palatial estate are in fact not of a palatial estate at all, but the city hall in glorious Pasadena, proving the lengthy dalliance that the entertainment industry and Pasadena have had with one another, going all the way from Charlie Chaplin to Jennifer Garner. It's 1940s, The Great Dictator, utilizing Pasadena City Hall. And number three, Step Brothers from 2008. The Will Ferrell, John C. Riley buddy comedy, directed by Adam McKay, who's doing way different projects now, leaned on Pasadena in its 2008 production. The new classic, like 13 Going on 30, and another film that we'll cover in a minute, utilized Meridian Street in South Pasadena, Seen on film when Riley and Farrell are walking back from an unsuccessful day spent trying to procure some legitimate employment. One of the houses in the movie is in the Hollywood area, but the other, the one that we see more in the film, is located in South Pasadena. While the movie shot scenes at a restaurant in Arcadia, the Trump National Golf Course in Palos Verdes, and other spots around the sprawl, Pasadena gets the most screen time 
as the perfect place to scrutinize the exploits of a pair of 40-year-old stay-at-home stepbrothers. Yet another voyage into this grand suburb Southern California residence called Pasadena. It's 2008's Step Brothers. At number two, 1991's Father of the Bride with Steve Martin and Diane Keaton. This remake of the 1950 Spencer Tracy classic is, in our opinion, the second most famous production to utilize the Pasadena locale. The Banks residence, which still stands, is a spot that I've been to twice, and both times there were obviously people kind of driving past the property, pointing it out, or walking past it, saying, oh, that's the house from Father of the Bride. So I'm not sure who actually resides at the home, but whoever it is, uh, I am sure that they probably get annoyed by the consistent stream of visitors flocking to the property. The house is actually across the street from something television fans might recognize, but that's a conversation for another episode. And while the story of a father struggling to give away his daughter's hand in marriage might chiefly have been filmed in Pasadena, there are other portions of the Los Angeles area that we do see on screen. And we learn that Brian McKenzie, the Banks's son-in-law-to-be, is actually from Bel Air on the other side of the Los Angeles area. Filming locations include a freakout over hot dog buns at a Sprouts Market in Burbank and a visit to see Franck at his office in the Melrose Place portion of Los Angeles. But it's definitely the Banks house in Pasadena that even 30 years later still make the quiet Los Angeles suburb a spot where film buffs go to check out their favorite movie locations. Father of the Bride a remake of a 1950 Spencer Tracy production with another reboot featuring Andy Garcia and Gloria Estefan. The whole Father of the Bride journey sort of illustrates the versatility of Pasadena and also the lack of new ideas percolating in Hollywood. And we have arrived at number one on our list of the movies that were filmed in Pasadena, although most of the time you were not supposed to think it was Pasadena, the best example of this is, without a doubt, 1978's Halloween. The Myers house in the movie is on that greatest of South Pasadena streets, Meridian, and if you visit the property, you will see a kind of makeshift tribute to the film outside. And we would recommend listening to Halloween Unmasked, a narrative podcast from a couple years ago 
done by Amy Nicholson in partnership with The Ringer that really goes into extreme detail about why John Carpenter chose Pasadena as a stand-in locale for the fictional Hayden Field of Illinois. But Pasadena and its inclusion in the iconic 78 horror flick allows us to truly see that this is a region that, depending on where you decide to film, can really look like anywhere. In the case of Halloween, we are in the quiet, eerily quiet Midwest, being stalked by one Michael Myers. And that's going to do it for another installment of the show. We want to thank everyone for their continued support of the podcast. A couple of easy ways that you can do that. Hop on Apple, iTunes, that purple icon. We would greatly appreciate it if you would like the podcast. Give us a five-star rating. And if so, please write us a kind five-star review. The Instagram handle of the show is Living in the Sprawl Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question, a concept for a future podcast episode, tell us where we got things right or where we went astray. Write us at Living in the Sprawl Podcast at gmail.com. We have merchandise and we think you're going to love it. You can find any and all of your merchandise-related wants and needs at our wonderfully helpful website. And it's here that you'll also find our Living in the Sprawl guide, our cheat sheet, so that you don't have to comb through old episodes of the program looking for that one specific recommendation that you heard a year ago but can't totally remember. So get that on the website. Also want to remind everyone about our Patreon page. We just uploaded a best pizza in the Southern California Sprawl episode. And in order to hear that, you will need to become a Patreon subscriber. And we want to thank everyone for being a member of our growing Patreon subscription team. On behalf of myself, your humble correspondent and host, my name is John Steinberg, joined by my better half, my immensely talented producer slash wife. Her name is Lisa Steinberg, thanking you for joining us on another episode of Living in the Sprawl, Southern California's Most Adventurous Podcast. Until next time.